0: What's up guys and welcome to episode 100 of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabron and I'm here with...
1: Steve, hope everyone's doing well.
0: And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So Steve, what you been playing?
1: Yeah, so uh, a little mix of uh, of, of two things really. Um, I I was on vacation so it kind of interrupted my my game time, Mm. but uh, finally completed Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, the campaign anyway I guess you could say. Completed that again. Quickly rose up in one of my favorites. I don't know if I beat it last time I discussed. It. Uh, we talked. We may or may have not. But a g- great finale. What what a great finale. Um, <laughs> really just I had a really good time with it. Went went in a slightly different direction than where I thought it was going. Uh, especially for Zelda games. Zelda games usually wrap up so nicely, and it's like okay, boom, you're done. This one had a cr- sort of crescendo. A little come to a conclusion. Felt satisfying. And is in a spot where they, I guess, could make a third one in this world. I kind of hope they don't because I feel like they've kind of explored a lot already. But also, it would it doesn't feel like it needs to. Like, if we look at just Breath of the Wild and Tears, it's going to be a complete journey. So, I really had a, a lot of good time with it. The And again, uh, one of the more memorable boss fights. Obviously, I liked it way more than just fighting a uh, Purple Smoke, which was Calamity again. Mm-hmm. In Breath of the Wild, obviously, this one you you fight ganon not a spoiler but you know you fight ganon so uh, yeah i had a, a, a lot of fun times with it I'm, and i'm still every once in a while turning it on doing a few other missions you know trying to collect a, a few different items because uh, i i, I, I got to assume there will be dlc coming um so i want to stay pretty up high on my stats get a couple more hearts you know keep my stamina high and things like that so again i i would be shocked if they don't do dlc to this um especially especially since the dlc to breath of the wild was very difficult i, I never got, even got to go through oh, it all yeah. because of how, how difficult it was so i'm trying to pre-plan ahead um and, and just making sure i've got all my good gear real good gear so fantastic one of my favorite other games i could probably easily put in my top five i have to do some sort of ranking one day to, to see where this all sort of shuffles through just because, again, the story really did carry it. The story that I was craving in Breath of the Wild finally appeared here in, in Tears of the Kingdom. So, the only other thing I've been playing, and I, I haven't played too much, I want to say maybe I'm five hours in, and we discussed it last time we both played the demo. Final Fantasy sixteen has released, I think. Uh, again, we both tried the demo, and I think it released after our last recording, so I haven't yep. had too much time with it because, again, my... I wasn't home, obviously, and so it sort of disrupted my time. But uh, I'm a couple hours in, um, and I really like it. You know, I, I have this joke with another friend of mine. We call it Final May Cry of Thrones. Oh. Um, <laughs> just because it is a... Well, I know you've played a lot of it. It's it's really those three things put together. Um, but I'm really liking it. I, I do really like it. There was a little bit at the beginning of the game where they're throwing terms and names and... Games almost on an autoplay where you're just pushing square to get through everything. Where I was a little worried. I was like, man, is is this too far gone from Final Fantasy? Uh, you know, because besides like the appearance of like a Chocobo in the first two hours, nothing really speaks Final Fantasy to me. Besides some of the aesthetic. But all my worries kind of went away as I finally got past that little tr- like just truck of like the what I've played in the demo. So where the you know where the demo ends and the rest of the story sort of continues obviously on in the full game. Now I'm to liking it. I, I kind of like where some of these twists are going. I like some of these characters. I finally feel like they just are a little bit more fleshed out. Um, even though there's a one of the early twists, um, I you could see coming if you looked at the cover of the game. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty obvious the twist. But all in all, I am liking it. Again, it 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 is in this weird spot where I'm like. I love Devil May Cry games, so the hard shift to an action game is a little jarring, but it doesn't bother me where people who are really big fans of like deep RPG mechanics, I can see why the game's kind of polarizing in that sense because it's it's very limited, um, which is weird thinking that this is from the Final Fantasy XIV team, which went super hard RPG. But I'm actually really liking it. I, again, it's it's such a weird twist to play something like... We were playing so much of Tears of the Kingdom. To something very high quality. And Tears of the Kingdom has its high quality standards and stuff. But in a Nintendo way, this is like a full fledged look at it. It looks AAA. It looks great. The voice acting, for the most part, I, I like this. One or two characters that sound a little funky. And the lip-syncing is a little weird. But I think it's because it's synced to Japanese. But besides that, I'm actually really intrigued to get on with the story. I, I don't know how long the whole game ends up being um, again it's I do like that it's not this huge open world I kind of always know where I'm going just kind of going point to point a little more linear uh, I think in the right way so far I'm sure the game opens up I heard it opens up a little more later on becomes a little more we're used to in a Final Fantasy um, but obviously that's probably hours ahead but all in all I'm really liking that's the next game I'm kind of just playing and I don't think there's anything else coming up immediately so i can actually take my time with it as i took my time with uh zelda so those are the two things i spent my time with What have uh, you've been playing
0: yeah i guess i'll just continue where you left off uh i've also been playing final fantasy 16 i am i think just under 15 hours in um okay. so i guess timeline wise you could probably place me somewhere in the middle ish uh from what I understand, it's you know it's a thirty thirty five hour game if you're mm-hmm. like mostly story focused. However, I am uh, doing all the side quests as they present themselves, but that is not as big of a feat as maybe it sounds. Um, it's it's as you kind of alluded to a very 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 linear game. Um, I I like it quite a bit. Uh, I think. The interesting thing about it is I've heard the critiques, and I think there are absolutely things you could critique about this game, but it's not some of the critiques I'm hearing a lot about. Uh, I've heard the whole, like, is this even a Final Fantasy thing, which is hilarious because anybody who's been in gaming, um, you know, maybe since uh, early 2000s or late 90s has heard that from every mainline Final Fantasy since six pretty much um when seven came out oh all this you know technology this is not final fantasy oh you're gonna be in school that's not final fantasy oh and they said that about nine because it looked like a disney movie so um they've said that about every final fantasy game so that didn't bother me or deter me too too much because what does final fantasy even mean anymore to be honest with you um other than kind of just a, a franchise that has maybe fixed it's not even a fixed mechanic it's like fixed characters that kind of reoccur general themes Mm -hmm. but uh and and all those themes are technically present, even though maybe uh, they're a little bit more subtle in this one, I would say. Uh, but I think that's a nice turn coming off of like what fourteen and what fourteen and fifteen were, uh, and kind of coming off of seven remake. I think this is kind of a breath of fresh air in the way that it feels familiar, but also technically it's uncharted territory. We've never seen Final Fantasy this dark before. That's the big thing that I think kind of differentiates Absolutely. it that maybe people don't talk about it as much, is it it's by far the most graphic of the Final Fantasy game. Uh, the language is the harshest. Um, it plays with some of the heaviest themes, you know, you see straight up like, I mean, there's not a spoiler, but you'll see like mass death. Um, that's never been depicted, uh, in uh, a Final Fantasy game before. So that's where I think the real change is. It's a much more mature game. Um, and, and it's a very bleak game to be honest with you. They, they don't really let up and have these happy moments that that often. So at times it could yeah, it can be kind of a heavy and oppressive game. Um, but I, I'm really, really impressed by it. The visuals are gorgeous, the combat's really great. Um, obviously there could be critiques there about the lack of real significant RPG mechanics. There's no strats that you can go into a battle with really uh, other than general preparedness. Do you have your potions? Are you leveled up up enough for it and do you understand how to hit then you're good to go pretty much for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, there's no real casting haste or, uh, de- depending, you know, who's in your party that none of that really comes into play. So that's absolutely a fair critique. However, I think they've made it clear that in the general direction that final fantasy games, uh, Octopath traveler, you know, stuff like that would probably triangle strategy would probably be more of your speed. Uh, and you could go more into that direction if you're looking for more of like a strategic old school final fantasy. Uh, they're obviously going way, you know, full act action adventure. Um, some of the cons are just to be kind of fair about it. Other, you know, generally speaking, love the game. But to be fair about it, um, the cutscene thing I think is a valid critique. Uh, I've seen people go back and forth about it. You know, is there too much cutscenes? Is there not enough cutscenes? Uh, which I you, you could have. Ab- so yeah, uh, I, I would say this. Uh, if you are a big fan of Ten, I don't think this is going to be a massive departure for you. Uh, Ten is also obscenely heavy in the cutscene department um but yeah if you're if you came to get a little bit more used to seven eight nine um you know maybe you played a bit of ten then this might be a bit much for you Uh, i find it to be a bit much for me at times and i would say this is an absolute fair statement that when i go to sit down and play and maybe i play like a two and a half hour session like so like a solid session 75 percent of that will be me sitting there watching cutscenes um so it's not even half and half. It's like overwhelmingly more cutscene than um, and you could skip cutscene if you would like, but obviously you know you'll you'll miss key plot yeah, uh, details. Yeah. So yeah, it is very, very, very cutscene heavy and at times I see things depicted that I could have played. Um, and so that could be at times where I'm kind of like, oh, come on guys. Um, it could be a bit much after a while, or I'm like, give me a break. Let me play, please. Uh, and that doesn't seem to let up. Uh, I'm 14 hours in. It's pretty much just as cutscene heavy now as it was then. Uh, shy of times that I've dedicated myself to maybe finishing the, the side quests. Uh, and so that can be a critique. It's something that because the story is so good, I'm more okay with it. But I could totally see that being a turn off to somebody. And then maybe the one last critique I would have of it would be that the um, the side quests are very, very, very shallow. Um, they're very fetch questy. So, like, you go to a location, maybe fight some scorpions, grab an item, bring it back. Or, hey, I need these seeds. Can you bring it to this person? And then you walk to the person, you give them the seeds, you, and quest complete. Like, it literally, it's, it's, it does, hasn't really gotten any deeper than that. There hasn't been any real major story um, kind of revealed through side quests. If anything, you kind of just get some contextualization uh, to some of the world that you exist in. And then there are some um, added benefits later on. By helping people out you kind of have like a general score that of like hey this is like you get people's allegiance basically from like contributing not a spoiler it's just a mechanic that they kind of unlock later on Um, and and I can appreciate it from that regard so it's really easy to keep up with them just as they present themselves they don't really present any more than like two at a time Uh, then you could go ahead and tackle that in terms of whether or not it opens up uh, I won't obviously speak about any narrative it it does not it doesn't like, every every fixed area is essentially pretty linear because there are items scattered around some of the more open areas, but there are no... It's not Breath of the Wild, where you, like, climb up a mountain, you might see something weird. And it's like, oh, what's this cave? Let me go through this cave. Oh, there's a random enemy. It's... I'm not bumping into that. Uh, you'll see some kind of, like even calling them a mini boss like just more powerful enemy uh, that you can like fight in certain areas maybe get like a crafting item or something like that but I wouldn't say that there's a super big incentive to explore or much out there Uh, they have some areas that are open technically and you could run from kind of one section of the map to the next uh, but there's not much in between it and you'll only get use of certain parts of that map through side quests for example or uh, through the way the story kind of unloads they'll have you run over to that corner that maybe you spotted uh an hour ago or something like that so you know it 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 does open up but not really in the traditional Final Fantasy it's not Final Fantasy 13 you know the way like it was like the hallway simulator and then it does open up into a full open world game this one 25 hours in yeah it's not really like that per se it's more so that the environments that you go into kind of become a little bit more expansive and you make more use of the disconnected parts of the map and you could kind of run from one sector to another and fight different enemies and gives you a chance to level up and stuff like that uh that all exists but i wouldn't say that at any point you are in this like robust crazy explorable open world that's not really what they're trying to do here for the most part um every open area is kind of a means from getting from point a to point b and then they kind of just uh, alter traversal if anything like oh you can go a little bit faster now or whatever um Totally fine with me. Um, I think this game is a great game for anybody who maybe prefers some of the older Final Fantasies. Um, not in the mechanics, but maybe in the themes. You know, if you're really into uh five and six, for example, four, five, six, I think, yeah, you'd probably be really into this. Um, yeah, if you came in, I could totally understand if you like, especially if you jumped in, maybe you're a little younger to like seven remake. Um, I think that maybe did a little bit of a better job incorporating side quests and making them matter, and making them fun, um, and, and making you appreciate Midgar more in that regard. Um, that's the only you know thing I would say is it's a taste thing, kind of like any other Final Fantasy. You know, some people really love Fifteen, um, and and so it, it kind of depends on your taste. But I highly recommend it to most most people, unless you're a really hard, hardcore RPG person, then kind of stick over to the other Square offerings um so yeah final fantasy 16 i'll probably have more to say about it as kind of time progresses and i get deeper into it um it's probably likely that i'll be either close to the ending or done with it by the time um we do the next show because i'm for the most part focused on this game um the other game i've been playing and don't laugh at me it's just crazy taxi i've been playing that a lot lately. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why I just I played it periodically throughout pretty much my entire life I've ha- I have like I'm not joking like maybe six versions of that game for various different consoles um, I pretty much just buy it everywhere I go and I like it a lot and I've been actually for the first time in my life trying to play very uh, deliberately and effectively and so I'm trying to get class S on all like arcade speeds so three minute five minute ten minute and I I just did uh, all three. So I'm getting class S licenses uh, for all the different times and with different drivers. And yeah, it's really fun. Um, And and now I'm developing like crazy taxi strats. And again, I told you, don't make fun of me. How dare you? Um, But yeah, no, I'm having a great time with it. Right now, my primary place to play is Steam Deck. No surprise, it runs great there. It's actually natively on Steam, so you could just buy it on Steam and play it there through the little Dreamcast collection, and uh, it's generally very well optimized, looks beautiful, as you would hope it would. I mean, it's a really powerful console. Um, Yeah, the only thing is, yeah, maybe some of the songs are missing. Uh, The little offspring opening that everybody, like, talks about, that's not in that game, but that hasn't been in any of the official releases since, like, PS3? I don't know. It's been a a really long time. Um, So that's not surprising there, but yeah, Crazy Taxi. That's been great, and I've had a great time with it, and I'm going to continue playing it. I'm not done with it. I also went back to Vampire Survivor um, to kind of just play some of the DLC and get used to that. Uh, It's one of those things where I have not all the characters, but a vast majority of them. I've unlocked pretty much every stage. The only thing that happens is around like the 30 minute mark. I keep dying from death and I don't really know how to bypass that. So I'm working on that. But other than that, I've kind of done everything. <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of it, Vampire Survivor has become a little bit tougher to play because I can't do anything below a 25 minute session uh, for a single game. <laughs> yeah. Just because that's it's just it's one of those games that compound as you play it more, you unlock more. And as you unlock more, you become more powerful sooner so you can go longer. Um, and as you go longer, next thing you know, it's like, well, I can't die quickly anymore. You know what I mean? But the characters that I use, it just it doesn't happen. So sometimes it's just a matter of like, I have to like set it down and like make a coffee and like just come back and I'm still alive. I have sustained no damage and I'm just like, I'm just like level 25 and I just have to click A a couple of times because I've, you know, unlock some levels. So, um, yeah, Vampire Survivor continues to be a great game. It's apparently coming out on Switch soon, which. I'm not going to get it in Switch, obviously, but I am super fascinated to see how that runs. Um, because I'm obviously in what you would consider, I guess, the late game of, of uh, Vampire Survivor, if, you, if there is one. And the assets on screen, like if you showed it to somebody, it's comical. Where I'm in the hundreds of bullets and fragments and enemies being slashed at once. And I get frame dips on the Steam Deck because of how much is moving there. I don't understand how this could be. Even po- What, are you going to lower the resolution of a pixel game? Like, I don't understand how this is going to work. But, uh yeah, I, I've just been playing those three things. So Steam Deck and Final Fantasy, and it's been great. And it's a nice little breather moment where I can kind of focus on Final Fantasy as my main game. But then when I kind of want a breather, I have all this nonsense to play. And it doesn't really seem until... So, we have Rain Code that's coming out on Switch, or that I think is already out. That's uh, from the Danganronpa team that I'm going to jump into once I'm done with mm, Final Fantasy. Mm. But other than that, uh, I don't think anything's coming out until, what, September? I think September and October um, oh, is when all of the uh, big ones come out. So
1: There's uh, I always forget the name. i not talking about the team. Is that... Is that... uh. Classic RPG looking game. I know that's in August. I want to say it was in August.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know sea what you're talking about. I can't, stars, can't remember the date either. Sea,
1: is it Sea of Stars? Maybe. What was it? I can't. Is it Sea of not Sea of Stars?
0: Oh, uh, Star Ocean.
1: No, not Star Ocean. Oh, not that one. Man, I can't believe we're pulling a blanket. here. Let me see. Uh...
0: But yeah, that that would be what in August. So that so the so we still oh, no, yeah. pretty much have Sea of Stars. Month. Sea of Stars is the one. Oh, is it Sea of Stars? 29th. Okay. Yep. 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 So, uh, one. so we still got some like time to kind of like spend on Final Fantasy, which is good. I like the breather. I got to, I got a breather for Zelda. I don't like too much at the same time. And October looks nuts because I think it's gonna be like Spider Man and uh, Assassin's yeah, Creed fun. and everything. So
1: yeah, it's gonna be much there. Um, yeah, it sounds like you have got that nice balance. And the last thing we saw, I do. I am curious also on how vampire survivor is gonna run on switch because the switch is also getting an. Ex- i don't know if it's an exclusive mode but they're getting a co-op mode which yeah. doesn't make any sense to me so i wonder how that's gonna even sounds even
0: more demanding i don't understand
1: yeah that. yeah that, that that is a weird choice but <laughs> I, I think it
0: can run i just i think it can run up until a point like yeah i i totally believe that like the first 10 to 15 hours of like a player's time in vampire survivor would go without issue that's no problem you throw a little garlic on you walk around it's fine that's no big deal. My, my question is once you start having the mechanics that are like enemies are not getting within 20 feet of you type thing and you have like maxed out garlic and like the, the blue wand and you, you've turned your, your flame wand into like meteors and you're like you have um the what is it called the orbit track thing on so you're not even needing to move near the xp thing and maybe you have like an xp buff on or something like that and like i just don't understand how like at that point how it could even run because i've, I've just seen it get framing but again i guess i'll say this when it comes to steam development so much come oh not steam um uh, switch development is so much comes down to developer i guess like technically i mean they got doom running beautifully on that console so i mean if you know what you're doing and your game is equipped to run on that kind of hardware then i suppose it could work but i am i'm like morbidly curious and because it's so cheap like i don't want to buy the game again but like will i buy the game again if it's possible all things are possible i'll I'll keep an open mind very
1: true very true
0: but all right all right big story microsoft versus the ftc this has been going on all week there's been a ton of revelations so we're going to try to summarize it as best as we can and kind of go point by point each point i mean is damn near its own topic so we'll, we'll try to make decent tie with this but yeah the week-long court battle between microsoft and the united states federal trade commission um has come to a close as the ftc delivered its closing arguments thursday um and so here's some of what happened so for you guys that don't a quick recap, Microsoft is trying to acquire Activision, and the FTC is trying to block it, basically. Um, because, uh, basically, anti-monopoly and, and anti-competitive law uh, type of concerns, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, first one, Microsoft claims that Bobby Kodak demanded a bigger revenue share to put Call of Duty on Xbox uh obviously and this ties into another point that they had made about the value of call of duty is that um with an uh, acquisition as big as activision and ip as big as call of duty it does not surprise me that that gives uh activision tremendous leverage pretty much with all the developers uh, or major publishers of what they want to do uh what were your thoughts about this specifically?
1: Yeah, every time I see his name, man, I, I roll my eyes. Bo- Bobby Kotick. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Kotick, yeah, because he's disappeared, but at the same time, he's trying to run away with so much money at this point. Yeah, situation. he's an a-hole. <laughs> um, which is why it didn't surprise me when he was starting to man bigger revenue shares um, to put it on Xbox. It makes me also just wonder what other con- conversations were going, because the only other place to put it would be, obviously, PlayStation. Um, so I wonder what those other conversations were, but... Yeah, what just it's, I just thought I saw this and I was like just yeah, it just sounds like a scum move from him. I'm just also curious I'm like what also f- f- Xbox and Call of Duty used to be kind of hand in hand, um so the fact that here we are this many years later and it's like no, you want it then you got to give me more money, which is it's terrible, but look who who look who it's coming from.
0: Yeah, and we could probably get into it later, but this whole I, I still just have a hard time believing the idea of, like, at any point, Microsoft or Activision allowing um, Call of Duty to be a single-platform game, or even double if you want to count Nintendo, but off of PlayStation. I just don't see it. I see it's... Yeah. It just... The, the Yes, I understand that, and well, that kind of ties into the next point, that Microsoft is in that consistent third place, um, but I'm sure the revenue garnered from that console over the past... I mean, what Call of Duty started in oh three oh four, uh, but it really came together in 07 with Modern Warfare, something like or something like that around there. Mm-hmm. Um, that like th- th- we're talking about millions and millions of dollars that have been kind of come uh, come from that single platform. The idea that like in any way Microsoft or even Activision would allow them to just cut that off for exclusivity or from PlayStation, I mean, like, it's so mm-hmm. unlikely. Like, I just, it, especially with the way that they've treated kind of, like, um, Minecraft. I, I think Microsoft yeah. is willing to keep things multi where it makes sense. Like, yeah, there's certain things that I, I wouldn't be surprised from, like, Bethesda that are going to be locked in. But, like, yeah, I just don't see the Call of Duty thing. Uh, the next major point that I think is something very interesting that we, we should talk about uh, is Microsoft admits that Xbox has lost the console wars. And basically, the idea is that it's been consistently in third place behind Sony and Nintendo in market share since the original Xbox launched over 20 years ago and this seems to keep in line mind you with what um, oh my god now I'm blinking on his name what Phil Spencer there we go what Phil Spencer said uh, during that kind of funny interview um, during the X-Cast uh, basically, that said that, you know, he's not super convinced that, like, even exclusives is really going to write this ship. That it, You could call it defeatist. You could call it realistic. But it's an assessment of the current landscape and the historical landscape, which is that they never won before, and I think a lot of people would uh, associate maybe the 360 era um, with the like closest thing to a win, but I, I, you unfortunately need to remember that things did switch in the late part of that generation when PlayStation went really cheap. Uh, they were able to uh, pass the 360's selling rate, so they, technic- they lost that generation too. Um, so even when they were winning for a majority of that uh, generation, when all was said and done, the PS3 did usurp the 360 in terms of sales. Um, so, yeah, they were never in the first place, and it doesn't seem like they have an interest in pretending like that's going to change. However, I think it was, it's also worth noting, and I, me- I mentioned this during the Phil Spencer interview, is that I believe that Microsoft has a vested interest at this point. They, they, they have money involved with the idea that they are not a threat to Sony, and 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 I know for the console warriors that might be like a wild thought to have, but this is from Microsoft's mouth. Um, when you're trying to make an acquisition this big, and the concern and argument against you is, "Hey, you're gonna control too much of the market. You're gonna have too much power." There, if you want that to go through, I think there's an honest, you know, vested interest you might have. And tempering that discussion down by maybe admitting call it admitting call it spinning a narrative that no 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 don't worry we're not anywhere close to dominating anything because we've consistently lost every single generation so there's no acquisition we could even make to really write that ship um what did you think about this point
1: yeah again yeah it threw back a lot of sort of flashbacks to what phil spencer said uh, a few weeks ago um, and it makes sense. It, I, I think it is something they, ha- in a way, have to admit to get this finally go through. Like, listen, not only are we losing the console wars, not have we lost battles before, no, we've lost it. There, there is, you know, hate on PlayStation, as many people want, there is this sort of momentum that they, they've got that it just doesn't seem to stop. Uh, and Nintendo's the same way. You know, Nintendo, I mean, we haven't gotten a Switch whatever pro or whatever a success to the switch and it's going on what six years almost Uh, something like that we're we're looking at yeah Uh, 2017 yeah 2017 so and those are still selling like (laughs) like it just dropped yesterday you know so it 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 is that factor um that they have to it do admit it and i I think that's what it makes it very clear um from like our side of the point you know obviously we don't have any money invested in into the companies yeah but it shows that it's like everything they're doing is just for them now to sustain their players and make them happy they're not no they're, i don't think they're you know on a small part yeah they're gonna want always want to beat playstation beat nintendo but i think they've long gone that sort of concept so it just makes sense and it's something that i mean to have it to have uh, not by the code, phil spencer admit it and everything was one thing to have microsoft come up and say this they're in a court is something that this is on record forever now was actually a big deal that they were even just sort of sort of man of m- enough to admit it which was slightly shocking like the actual thing isn't shocking but it's shocking who said it is what really threw me off
0: yeah i, I think people kind of forget um that you know so much of this is strategy uh and kind of framing and and just this is what the numbers say and you have to interpret it and spin the narrative that you want and also people forget that uh when phil spencer did that interview and kind of started this narrative of like hey we're we're in that consistent third place we've lost we're not going to out console sony uh that was a pr campaign that mm-hmm. when he was on that, that's his job his job is not to play real like hey I'm, I'm a real gamer like you i mean i i know he says that and that's all good and fine and, and hey i like phil spencer as well so but you have to remind remember like these these a lot of this is pr spin um sony's gonna do it uh you know activision's gonna do it and xbox is gonna do it and so so much of this is framing um the next one is uh one that i think really caught a lot of headlines but it it makes a lot sense if you kind of just do the math on it but microsoft expects the next console uh, generation of consoles to come out in 2028 uh that is eight years after the initial one the initial one came out i think in november 2020 something something around there um and so that would be eight years that is in line with every previous generation. So I don't think this is like some crazy revelation Yeah, I think you could probably have done the calculation that, you know, around 2027, 2028. That would make around the sense where the next proper generation of console would come out. Obviously, before that point, I expect some kind of pro iteration in the you know, 2024, 2025 um, time period. Just, again, following historical trends. Uh, so this one wasn't like a mind-blowing thing. I think it's just maybe always exciting or surprising when you hear the publishers themselves say as opposed to kind of just general generalized speculation or some developer being like hey we have dev kits for this uh when you actually hear from like hey uh, this is not even an announcement but this is the closest thing i guess people get where it's like yeah microsoft next generation 2028 like that i think excites a lot of people what do you think mm-hmm.
1: same yeah it, it made a lot of sense where i'm like yeah that's probably where it would be an eight-year cycle even in this day seems a tad bit long but it made a lot of sense um that it it did like sort of cement in my mind that they're like oh so they're gonna have a series whatever z or whatever they're gonna <laughs> yeah. call it uh probably you're looking 2025 ish 2026 maybe um just to keep that refresh going until you re completely do whatever your next generation is called um, that's all it did for me where i was like it is exciting though because now you know once like 2026 2027 starts coming around we're gonna start hearing those you know, weird dev kit rumors and all this stuff going on so it'll be exciting to see that um especially where i mean this is a uh, different take but you gotta remember in 20 so in 2026 they're gonna be prepping their new generation which means i mean sony has that in-house studio that does the MLB game that is on xbox now so they'll have a dev kit uh which is funny because if you look later we have a, a sort of <laughs> a discussion over. oh yeah about, the dev kit stuff yeah uh, the dev kit stuff so it'd be it'd be really interesting if that whenever they do they're gonna have to send one to sony if they want the mob to keep rolling over there so it'd be an interesting time but yeah it, it, it's just nice to sort of have a light game plan like when to look forward Um, because just that time around new technology is so exciting especially for us we just love this just, just in that ecosystem
0: yeah I, I i think and this is kind of my general issue with like when you have these kind of consolidation acquisition mergers call it whatever you want and things start getting muddier with like okay so now this developer that was kind of like a either a unique independent player or maybe kind of was like just multiplat played played well with everybody and then they get acquired by one of the one of the three let's say even though nintendo doesn't make uh, acquisitions like that but you know they they have raven for example so, you know or no uh yeah. Xbox has Raven now or something like that. Uh, Not Raven. What is the name? Rare. There we go. Rare. Rare. Um, You you end up in that weird situation now that maybe didn't happen previous generations where, yeah, you'll have this weird situation where you own something, but it's going to publish on a different platform. And if you want to be there for launch to make your money... They need the dev kit, but you don't want to sev- send the dev kit to the, the opposition, and this didn't happen a long time ago, because again, the exclusive were the exclusive. the people that they owned are the people that they owned, and you didn't have to worry about that. But now this is a weird zone where the more Microsofts are not uh, the, the more Minecrafts that you get, the more the MLB the shows that you have. This is going to only become more and more common. And eventually, I feel like Sony and Xbox inevitably have to make a game plan here something mm-hmm. we, we can't either these games are not going to be anywhere in relation to um a launch and they're just gonna have to launch afterwards because of a possible conflict like hey sorry um sorry minecraft team but you, you we we can't have you at launch on our console because we can't risk xbox like having our new console you'll just have to start developing after release basically uh Which is an option, but I don't think it's a sustainable option because these games are only going to increase in quantity, the amount of affected things as more acquisitions happen, which, based on this court case, doesn't sound like Microsoft is intending on slowing down anytime soon. Uh, Neither does Sony. So, you know, I, I think they really do need to come together and it's like, all right, listen, this is how it's going to work. This is maybe the timeline. I think inevitably they're going to have to learn to send each other dev kits and, and what that means. And, and if that means kind of siphoning away a first-party team so that they don't speak to the other ones while they're working on a launch game for that, so be it. But I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is eventually kind of developer announced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next one, Xbox boss Phil Spencer tells judge, "I will do whatever it takes to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation," um, which is about as flat as a confirmation as you can get. Uh, which means that their intention, at least externally, what you could speculate all day about, like what their secret goals are, um, but at least their external, like marketing, like this is words out of their mouth. Uh, is that they intend to keep it multi-platform, which is, again, unsurprising when you understand how much money is being grossed from this franchise. Why would you? Like, I think it's always... I think, obviously, the thing that is scary to PlayStation I don't think is exclusivity, despite what they say. I think it's Game Pass Day 1 that scares the crap out of PlayStation. Uh, I think PlayStation probably expects to keep getting Call of Duty, and I I don't think Microsoft is stupid enough to kind of just cut off that base. But I think it's that Day 1 on Game Pass for not not free but it's that idea that like okay you pay this monthly thing and now you'll have access to the new call of duties that is what scares uh sony which is why i think xbox can say this like yeah we'll keep putting it on playstation that's fine you'll just have to pay for it full price or maybe you won't get it as early as us but i they they never said hey uh, we're gonna keep putting Call of Duty on PlayStation. It's also gonna maybe be on their subscription service, and it's also um, gonna be day one with us. They never said all that. They just said, "Hey, we want to keep it on PlayStation," which I think I, I, I was not surprised by that whatsoever. What's your thoughts?
1: No, yeah, it's 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 this weird thing, right, with this with Call of Duty, and if it's coming, how long is it coming to PlayStation? Like, I feel like it's been like a year now that we keep coming up with this. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, and, and how much clear that. And you put it in the best way possible. Yes, Call of Duty will be coming to PlayStation 4 probably a long time. I mean, wasn't their original for like 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, And that's the initial
0: contract. That doesn't mean that like at 10 years, it just gets pulled off.
1: No, 10 years they have to redo the contract. Exactly. Um, But the big thing that they're not telling you is, oh yeah, you can go pay $70 now on PlayStation. Or for $15 uh, a month, you can just play a day one on Game Pass, and at that point, if it would be first party, I'm assuming it would come to PC Game Pass as well, um, which would be kind of interesting to see. But that's really where it is, and and you know it's funny because that gets, it's like a half like that's what PlayStation's scared of, right? But that's what also excites other people. Like you and I are pretty quick when we play our Call of Duty, and we're over in exactly. a month. I'd rather pay 15 bucks Game Pass, knock out Call of Duty. And then be done with it, you know, instead of waiting for a super sale and, you know, it'd be the cheapest option. Even on sale, we get the game like 30 bucks where, you know, Game Pass would make it so much easier, but that's what they are afraid of. Um, so that's why I don't think, that's why I think they're so confident when they're able to say this over and over and over on the record that we're going to keep Call of Duty there. Will it be forever? I don't know. Who knows? But for the foreseeable future, you know, for this generation, probably the next generation as well, it'll be coming to PlayStation. You're just going to have to pay a premium to do it. Or you can come come over to this side and play it day one or play it on your PC or your cloud or whatever it is. And that is what scares PlayStation. That's why they're always picking and choosing why they, how they phrase that sure. Call of Duty will come to PlayStation.
0: Yeah, and you kind of phrased it perfectly, where it's like the more entrenched players, the competitive players, all of that, uh, you know, people who've been playing Call of Duty with a, maybe a fixed friend group for God knows how long, those people are going to be unaffected by, I think, most of all of this. You know, if you're on Xbox, you're on Xbox. Mm-hmm. If you're on PlayStation, you're on PlayStation. I don't think any of that changes whoever owns uh, Xbox, however the release strategy, or whoever owns Activision, whatever the mm-hmm. release strategy is. They're, they're entrenched. Um what that affects is uh, you, you perfectly put it is the me's and use uh, out of the world who, who maybe play that 10 to 15 hours you know once a year when it does come out and then we move on because you know you and neither of us are like hardcore call of duty fans you know I like the uh, we both like the campaign maybe play a little zombies maybe play a little yep. multiplayer and then we move on to the next one yep. um, or, or the next game or whatever and you know especially if you're a multi-plat gamer which you and I are. Historically, i played a majority on PlayStation um, and the, uh, for, for uh, Call of Duty. And the reason for that is because when I do seldomly play online, most of the people I know are on PlayStation who play Call of Duty. However... If we're talking the difference between my Game Pass existing, existing subscription and a seventy dollars, I will bypass that completely. I'm just gonna play it on Game Pass. It is what it is. Yeah. If you don't, uh, yeah, I don't have that many friends on Xbox. It is what it is. Sorry guys, I'm not gonna be able to play with you. Uh, I'm not spending that seventy dollars if I can get it uh, existing on Game Pass. So you and I are a perfect example of what Sony is scared of. Um, mm-hmm. Is the people that are, like don't have a hard entrenched commitment to staying in the PlayStation ecosystem for Call of Duty. So you and I are just like, "Oh, it's on Game Pass. All right, I'll just play it there." They just technically lost two gamers right there um who otherwise would have bought a full-priced game that you and I are not going to b- buy that game. Um and and so you know, I understand PlayStation's concern in that regard, but at the same time, and we can talk about our final thoughts when this is all said and done about what we think about this merger, but to a certain extent it sounds like a PlayStation problem. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like a U problem. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I know that's annoying, but you know what it kind of reminds me of? You remember being back in the school, the one person who had a PS2 and everybody else was playing Halo? Yeah. It's like and they were just pissed and it's like, hey, I want Halo. I don't, I don't want to play Killzone anymore. And it's like, I totally get it, but it sounds kind of like a you problem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the exclusive thing is a tough game, man. I'm... I'm a multi platform gamer. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and the next one, Elder Scrolls 6, still five plus years away. PlayStation version is undecided. So here's a couple things. Uh, There's just kind of two points here. We'll kind of break them up apart. Uh, first one, we both knew that... Uh, Elder Scrolls Six was like way far away, so that's unsurprising. Mm-hmm. They've, I think, admitted themselves that they announced that way too early, so that was kind of, kind of shown graphically off with like Starfield at the same time. So, kind of a ridiculous move, I think, on Bethesda's part, um, because that was pre-acquisition, so that was a that was a Bethesda decision, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a stupid one, I think. All we could admit, I we do If it's that far off, the it, game probably didn't even exist when they showed it, something.
1: It was after the. Um fallout 76
0: debacle that's ah what I think it, that's you're why. right so that was it's an overwatch 2 thing basically yeah it was just a g- get to the get the headline
1: some points yeah
0: um but yeah i'm pretty sure the game didn't really even exist when they, they showed off that little graphic i think if anything this is my guess this is my speculation that's probably just concept art that they had when developing the general aesthetic for it they, they slapped the logo on it and they're just here you go elder scrolls 6 other than that i bet they didn't have nothing on the background maybe todd howard writing something not on a piece of paper somewhere but um yeah. uh so before we get on to the second part of it elder scrolls 6 being five years away what are your thoughts about it i'm unsurprised doesn't really bother me because i knew it was not coming anytime soon what do you think
1: uh, yeah this it's one of those non-story type deals right we, we get this constantly oh nintendo's making a, another mario kart yeah no oh doubt. yeah you know it, it's one of those things where it's like elder scrolls six is being made yeah so is fallout 6 they're just not talking or fallout 5 whatever what, what Fallout are we on <laughs> fallout you know the next fallout is obviously yeah. in development too they're not going to announce it uh you shouldn't but again this came at a point where 76 was such a bad stinker on them that they were like oh we gotta show it so when they're like it's five years away i'm like yeah you guys haven't launched starfield of course <laughs> elder scrolls is not like next year or anything like that so we've always estimated Elder Scrolls 6 to be what like 2026 so it would kind of make sense well Um, I mean
0: they didn't even make a commitment that it's going to be coming out on this generation that told me everything I needed to know
1: yeah all they've said is the game is being made which is again no duh (laughs) yeah they
0: they never ever said hey this is coming out on ps5 and xbox series x and s they never said that um and when asked about that they wouldn't even make a commitment that it would be this generation they're just like no we're going to do starfield and then we're going to do Elder Scrolls 6 that's all we know um so if it's five plus years five plus 2023 that's 2028 that's probably a launch game that it's probably going to be cross-gen if my my guess is um yeah. it's probably going to be on this very late this generation and then it'll have its next gen version it's going to be the yeah. breath of the wild you know type of situation um so yeah unsurprising there for anybody who's been paying attention but there was a contingent of people who were really thrown off by that headline but i think they were just mm-hmm. not Paying close attention because I think there was this idea that maybe uh, Starfield and this were like really kind of overlapped in development, which I, I don't think so. I think they were kind of maybe, I mean, I'm sure everything's a Venn diagram. I, I, I doubt that they like go gold on Starfield and then start on, you know what I mean? This is not, you know. Uh, James Gunn making Peacemaker season 2 they were like they wait on one thing release it and then and then it's not that situation like i'm, I'm sure there is kind of like uh, uh, overlap but for the most part they're doing Starfield then they pivot full into Elder Scrolls 6 and until they pivot off of Starfield they can't really dedicate full manpower to uh, Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls 6 so obviously yeah it was going to be super far off next one PlayStation version is undecided which is interesting. So, they are not committing guaranteed that this is going to be um, a PlayStation game. So, the next Elder Scrolls could be an Xbox exclusive, theoretically. Theoretically. That is actually a pretty big deal. And I feel like an overlooked deal when people keep talking about Starfield. Like, oh, they yanked Starfield off a of PlayStation. You know, the Sony fanboys are, like, pissed about it. Um, and... This is the more interesting thing to me because, again, Starfield, new IP, yes, from an accomplished game developer, but it's something that is new, like nobody's put their hands on. Like, we don't know what Starfield is going to ultimately look like when it's all said and done, like how it's going to run and and what the reception is going to be. Elder Scrolls is a storied franchise, especially, you know, Oblivion and Onwards. Uh, And so that not having a PlayStation presence is a big deal. Um, and I'm very, and I think that is a major get for um, Microsoft. And when we're talking about this day of like, you know, these at least call it timed exclusive or whatever with these kind of Final Fantasies, what they're doing with Square, if they could have that with the Bethesda Game Studios over on Microsoft, I think that could be a not a game changer. <laughs> at this point, it is what it is. I don't, I don't know if there's any major game changers shy of, I, I, I don't know, acquiring somebody that is yay maybe if they were able to just make like madden exclusive maybe that would change the game but for now i think it's a big deal um but i don't think it's you know change the tide of, of war type deal what do you think
1: yeah that, that's my thing where it's like a back and forth where it's like oh they yeah, don't haven't decided if playstation whatever six is gonna get it elder scrolls six um but it just makes me think it was like i i, I could see it both ways right i could see him being like listen elder scrolls is so huge let's get it everywhere again you you prop up the game pass and day one over here gotta prop up the 70 80 dollars it might be on playstation but it also makes me think it's like well they did say five years away you're thinking next gen already what a huge launch title to make ex- exclusive the next elder scrolls uh, could entice a certain group of people right not everyone not you know but just think about how skyrim engulfed the world. Um, And telling them, well, you can only get that over here and not on PlayStation um, would be kind of interesting. So it is one of those things where it's like, I'm surprised they were just so flippant about it where they can instead of, they've been pretty direct. Where like, yeah, some things are going to stay exclusive Some to be like, yeah, we haven't really decided. Obviously the game is still so early on in development. They have no idea what they're doing with it yet. Um, They probably doesn't even have a name, um, (laughs) let alone do they know where they're releasing it. Um, But it does just make me wonder. It's like... I see it both ways. It's like I could see that launching on PlayStation Six, or I could also see it in a world where after this finally goes through and a couple years have gone by, you know what? No, it is exclusive. You know, like they said, uh, you know, Starfield at some point did was planned to be, you know, at one point it was almost PlayStation exclusive or something like that. I remember it coming. Yeah, they said article. something like that. Um. So would it be the craziest thing it's like i don't know so it is weird it is weird but it's kind of just intriguing to me
0: yeah and it's it's one of those things where i'm very conflicted about it because on one hand if you listen to microsoft they keep emphasizing this idea it's like hey we're not selling as well as them. We don't have a majority of the micro uh, the market share. That doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. You got, and we'll get into it later. But the the CEO talking about how hey I don't really like exclusives like that. If it was up to me, we'd have everything everywhere. But Sony makes that thing. Uh, so they admit all of those things. And then on on the other side of things, the idea that a corporation is not going to do everything in their power to change that. And historically, what moves consoles is exclusives say what you want but you know the fact that nintendo has exclusive rights to mario zelda pokemon makes a difference for their console it does um if that if, if mario if tears of the kingdom was on ps5 would as many people play it on switch hell no you know what i mean it just is what it is um and so it's one of those things where like i just have a hard time believing that they won't Ultimately, like, on one hand, I understand they're going to be like, okay, if we don't have a majority of the market, isolating some of these big titles to our consoles only is going to ultimately cost us money. Like, money that we otherwise could have made. However, at the same time, if we have any hope of changing that and maybe increasing our market share, we have to play the game. So, Microsoft is in a weird zone right now where they kind of are crapping all over the idea of exclusives because they haven't been able to get as many as they want. However, I get this tenor that they totally would be way more brutal and hardcore with the exclusives if they even had the option to do so. If they had more of these games presenting themselves. And so... Part of me thinks, okay, uh, Elder Scrolls 6 is so far away. There's probably lots of things, uh, even beyond the PlayStation version, that are undecided about it. It's so far off. Like, Yeah, they haven't made a decision about that. They haven't made a decision about a lot of things probably related to that game. Um, But at the same time, you can maybe have a more cynical view of it and be like, maybe that's a little wink and a nod. Like, hey, we're not sure if it'll be on PlayStation. I guess we'll see how it plays out PlayStation sees how yeah. let's see how you act like it, it kind of reminds me of like the uh, hey mom are we going to six flags well, well we'll see how you act we'll see how school goes you know what i mean it, that's what if you want to be uh, more cynical that i get a little bit of a, a big bro tenor to it where it's like and not that you know microsoft's in a position of big bro sony but it definitely gives me a little bit of a vibe of like we'll see how things play out we're, we're undecided on that one um Next one, it, we kind of alluded to already, so we don't have to spend too too much on it, time on it. But Microsoft doesn't have a PS5 version because Sony didn't send uh, Microsoft dev kits, Phil Spencer says. Um, and this sounds like maybe um, something that will continue going forward if that doesn't change. And if, you know, Sony has serious concerns about, like, uh, sending dev kits to now Activision going forward, if this merger does go through, that could present prevent lots of different games from being there anywhere uh and and i was talking earlier about launches uh but this sounds like this is actually bleeding years later in of why microsoft so that sounds like hey you didn't send us a dev kit we couldn't hit launch and now we're not going to play ball with you to a certain extent um and and so that's kind of interesting to me like oh what did you think about that
1: yeah this is the one of the only points where i saw it and i was like i just felt it that he's lying because there's not a there's not a series version of microsoft of uh, minecraft either there is no series s or x version of minecraft
0: oh so you think it's spin um, that's interesting i think
1: it's spin because then okay even if you did then why isn't why isn't your home console your new generation have a version yeah
0: so, that's, that's, that's true. the
1: only thing where i'm that's where when i read that i was like liar <laughs> you know <laughs> and it, it, it could be true right they probably didn't send him a dev kit but why would that hold up your version of minecraft it's worth three years into the generation you have it there was way early before the consoles launched i forgot who someone had a version of it that ran with ray tracing and stuff like that but it was a super dev version yeah um so that that's not available you can't play that version so it's like well did sony hold you up doing it on your console i that's my only thing to it i was just like no no probably true um it makes sense. Obviously, if you don't have a PS5 dev kit, you don't have a PS5 version. But it's like, yeah. well, you don't have your own version. So I'm confused where that all sort of spins out.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. So, like, theoretically, like, if I go on my Xbox right now, my Series X, and I fire it up, that's the Xbox One version, right? Maybe with some, like, uncapped frame rates and, and stuff like that. But it, it's still the Xbox One version? Yep. Oh, that's... that. You see, that's a very interesting... I'm kind of aligned with you then. Like, yeah, it does sound like kind of a way to spin an existing situation probably a non-issue into something to take a shot at sony which is kind of funny um the next one is is very interesting this is has been one of the most debated topics related to game pass uh and and whether it's good for gaming or not but uh sony boss jim ryan many publishers think that xbox game pass is value destructive so during his testimony ryan said i talked to all the publishers and they unanimously do not like game pass because it is value destructive he also claimed game pass is unprofitable to microsoft which is true um when reached for comment, Xbox pointed to an Xbox Wire post that says that every Game Pass title announced that this year's Xbox Game Showcase is coming from a creator that's previously worked with the subscription service, which seems to kind of counteract maybe the idea that like, hey, all these publishers hate Game Pass. And, and, and Xbox is like, well, then why are they lining up to work with us? Basically, it is it sounds like the argument back and forth. Um, and so this is such an interesting part and wrinkle of the Game Pass thing, um, because I think You and I have been very open about the fact that it's undeniable that the value for gamers is undeniable like it, it it's incredible it's the best value in gaming that's they, they, you know that whole little thing that they say but it's true um, when Game Pass is doing it's thing which again it's important to know Game Pass doesn't always have a great selection of games you know like like it has a revolving door of things like sometimes it's better than other times it, it keeps all the Microsoft stuff there but yeah like sometimes there's like really good stuff coming to it sometimes there's little dead zones but generally speaking value add there's nothing touching it sony is getting there with their little platinum service thing with the the ps3 uh backwards compatibility and all that but uh yeah game pass is a really impressive value but this is what what's interesting is we're talking on the, the publisher side now which is basically like the idea that people game pass causes people not to buy games and when people do not buy games and instead pay for a subscription um maybe the back-end money is a lot less because you get the money up front from Microsoft to put your game on Game Pass. And then Mm -hmm. that's effectively maybe it Um, as opposed to maybe the organic software sales numbers that you'll get in traditional uh, games publishing on a platform. Um, And so obviously you and I can only speculate because we're not privy to all the numbers. Uh, But what do you think of the idea that according to Jim Ryan, um, that Game Pass is value destructive? It devalues uh, what people maybe think A game is worth maybe this kind of ties into that kind of race to the bottom iphone thing that people have talked about what do you think about that
1: yeah i think i think they both have sort of a a like to stand on right i do think a lot of some publishers have come on out aside from this whole court thing and talked about how they don't like how game passes and other people love like oh we wouldn't have gotten our game finished if it wasn't for this or we're gonna sold like this but it's like a mixed bag right because I, I think we had that with the creators from hi-fi rush talked about how they thought the game was gonna sell more it didn't sell what they were kind of hoping for hi-fi rush was everybody was talking about that weekend but everybody did, a lot of people didn't buy it you know i haven't played it but and i'm gonna love it when i do i just, just it's, it's on my list i just haven't but there are people who looked at that and despite it being a cool game despite that i believe that was tango um despite all that they look at it and they're like oh well that's a game pass game um hmm. but like well no that's a full game but i've heard that many times i've seen on the different discords i'm in and youtube oh this is great i'll wait for game pass so you, you know there, there is that sort of concept um which is why i feel like it is in both camps so it's it's not shocking but i don't think that you know, do many publishers think that well that it's destructive? Well, some publishers probably do. Some yeah. publishers probably like it. Uh, there's probably some that are in the middle. There's people who haven't really tested their that section out yet, um, because just because it still is sort of an unknown frequency, which is why we're always as much as you know we're on and off Game Pass subscribers when there's value on there. <laughs> but I, we would both love to. Just, I would just love to see the numbers. I'm not even a numbers guy. I'd love to see what this all works out to be you know if the it's half and half right if the publishers didn't want you to play their game on game pass they wouldn't put it on game pass yeah you you know what i'm saying i mean i know that's higher ups who make that decision but that's where it would fall down to
0: yeah it's one of those things where i have no doubt that jim ryan is telling the truth in terms of some of the conversations that he's had in the back end. I'm sure there are Mm -hmm. plenty of game developers and publishers that are like, hell no, the numbers don't make sense. Like, okay, uh, Microsoft offered us this much to put our thing. We can make way more of that in this last quarter than if we were to put on Game Pass. So it absolutely doesn't make sense for certain people, but we've heard firsthand for any interviews that you've maybe watched from indie developers who otherwise wouldn't, their game would be an unknown without Game Pass. So it's not true that like this idea that like, hey, everybody hates game pass and it's devaluing it but the devalue thing is a point i want to kind of like focus in on because it actually is very reminiscent to the music industry uh when you mm-hmm. talk about music streaming and you hear from uh various artists you've heard the very similar argument there which it's like hey when music streaming came about it devalued album sales it no longer made sense to the consumer to buy an album when i can get it cheaper to just stream ownership doesn't mean anything to me anymore uh not me but like the the average consumer in the music world like obviously I, i buy vinyl albums and stuff like that so physical media has kind of that's a whole separate issue um but in terms of just like ownership the willingness to put down this fixed amount of money for this product historically versus a new offering that is more economical and the fact that the in the music industry people basically wash their hands of the the album sales conversation and until they were able to calculate streams um album sales plummeted now they they look like they've recovered but that's because they're factoring in streams and there's money to be made via streaming but it's so negligible so now nowadays music acts make a vast majority of their money through touring basically um, and through bundles and merch sales and all that uh, but it is not through the music itself you know but once upon a time there was CD sales or vinyl sales yep. um, and, and then it went to iTunes sales and now streaming and streaming is completely you could say devalued music not the art of it but the, the literal monetary cost of what somebody says when i tell you what is an album worth in 2023 once upon a time there would be you know 15 dollars 20 dollars you know 10 dollars whatever mm-hmm. what does that mean now i don't know whatever your spotify subscription is for that month and how many albums depends how many albums you you consume you could consume you know the dozens and dozens of albums in in uh, a month and you paid what eight bucks so that that's what it's worth the divide 50 50 divided by eight is what albums worth to to me now that that is, I think, what the concern is when it comes to video games. Is once upon a time, when you say like, "What is a video game worth?" People say fifty dollars, sixty dollars, now seventy dollars. Um, but what they're arguing, I guess, is what that Game Pass is lowering that, and and eventually maybe somebody is just gonna be like, "Well, I mean, if it's not, it, it's worth fifteen dollars a month to me, you know, whatever." Where you you work out the economics on the back end yourself, but I'm gonna buy the subscription. I'm not gonna outright buy this game. Because one thing I don't need this game for indefinitely. I only need to, you know, kind of get my rocks off, you know, get be entertained for a short period of time and move on. Um, and and it, it makes the most sense for my pocket. So I totally understand the aversion to it. However, I'm not one of these people who think that like uh, streaming services are the automatic like death knell to to artistry. You know, you can make it work with TV, movies, uh, music. I think they can make it work with games. But I do agree with Jim Ryan in the idea that like do I want everything to be uh, a streaming service? No, because if if it's just streaming services, yeah, you do end up with the music situation, which is I don't think good for the artist. Um, so I think it has to be a hybrid model. Some games are gonna fit in the streaming service. Some should get a full $70 release, and I think that's both that both of that's okay to me. You know what I mean? I think it's about the mix. Uh, next one, Microsoft CEO, if it was up to me, I'd get rid of exclusives. This is from the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella, and he said that he has no love for console exclusives, but he explains that Microsoft plays the exclusive game to play competitive with market leaders. Um, and this is kind of, I think the inherent well, I think a lot of people—not a lot of people, but some people—ding Xbox about, especially this generation, uh, and maybe kind of during mostly the Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer years of this idea of like, hey, play everything anywhere. But at the same time, they kind of played that that exclusive game. So it's like, are you pro or co- against exclusives in terms of their actions? It's unclear, but obviously there's an intentionality in terms of leadership uh, to. That they don't love exclusives. However, ultimately making a profit is their only real concern. And so far, uh, the gaming industry hasn't really shown an ability to, for the major three publishers I'm talking about, not like independent third-party publishers, uh, but for the major three to make a console work without some exclusives, you know what I mean, uh, Xbox wouldn't have sold a unit probably uh, without Gears and Halo once upon a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or Forza moves it for some people. Um, Last of Us, you know, Ghost of Tsushima, Mario, Zelda. These are important games to move consoles. And if everything was uh, available everywhere and there was no console exclusives, the industry would probably look a lot different you know what i mean what consoles would be successful and what you know nintendo might have a harder time moving units you know maybe some people maybe suddenly now power is the major focus but that's not where we are right now so um this is kind of an interesting story in in terms of knowing where the ceo's mind of but it's kind of a non-starter as far as because it's kind of like a if if then you know if if this was a, some alternate reality then yeah we'd do this but we can't so we're not basically uh, what did you think?
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't a weird one for me because it's like well you again what really made Xbox take off was its exclusives you know the Forza yeah. back in the day the Halo back in the day obviously was the big one so it's like it's another one where I just looked at it and said no no you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't get rid of exclusives would you like some would you like some of these exclusives? for sure you're gonna tell me if microsoft would pass up the chance to get spider-man exclusive and i know they brought that up i don't know if it was this court case or another court case but you know i was like you would love to get that exclusive you you would love to lock down nintendo games in a world microsoft bought nintendo they're not gonna put all those games on playstation you wouldn't there's for what reason would you do that um but that's why that was again where it's just like "No, no you didn't exclusive make it worth it at that point you guys would all just just be making a super you making a pc yeah and let the developers just make games for it so you know you'd have a P, you know playstation branded pc xbox branded pc and a nintendo branded pc basically and and it would just be down to that you know instead of doing what you need to get your exclusives and working the right way to do your exclusives um that was co- sort of my reaction to it where i just looked at it and i just kind of shook my head i'm like don't if your exclusives were making last of us money the uncharted money the everything that sony and nintendo make with their exclusive if your exclusives were doing that you wouldn't say this on the record
0: yeah you know what microsoft kind of sounds a little bit like they sound like that guy that's like walking down the street and be like yo shorty man you look so good let me get that number and she rejects you and you're like man you ugly anyways that's what they sound like a little bit. yeah. Like they bit. love exclusives, but now that they have trouble getting them, oh now we hate exclusives. You didn't they didn't hate exclusives in the 360 generation or, or the their initial generation at all. But now suddenly it's like, "Oh, we wish everything was everywhere." And it's like, "I bet you do seeing Last yeah. of Us. I bet you do." But yeah. I bet if like Halo Infinite lit the world on fire and may, put them into first place, they they'd have nothing but exclusives, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. they they are pro having everything everywhere because I feel like they feel like they need to do that to survive. Um, yeah. Which is totally like respectable and I understand that. Like, hey, not everybody could be the first place. So to some degree, not everybody can be Sony in terms of their strategy. So they need to develop things. But I think... It's a little disingenuous for them to sit there and be like, "Oh, we don't we. We're, we're fundamentally against exclusives, but to play the game, we need to Well, it's like you know, you're not fundamentally against them; you just like that you can't get them. And if people were lining up for Xbox exclusives, you'd have no problem saying yes to every single one of them. If you, if they could, if suddenly, you know, Bungie went up to to Microsoft and was like, "You know, we're done with Sony. We want every uh, Destiny and whatever forward game that we're gonna do." exclusive to Xbox, do you think for a second they'd hesitate on that? And they'd be like, oh no, sorry, we're fundamentally against exclusives. No, of course, they'd be all yeah. up on that. Um, yep. But again, that's why I, I always like to make a note that like these execs, you need to say, take everything they say with a grain of salt because everything is spin. Everything is a game. Everything is spinning a narrative to... Result or craft things in some desired outcome, um, and that's not a shot at Xbox or a shot at Nintendo or, or a shot at Sony or or Activision or anybody. It's just a reality thing. Like these are people; these are chief executive officers. They; these are people that are fundamentally brought in to maximize the profits of a general corporation so these are not people operating out of the goodness of their heart and i don't think they have a, ve- uh, a care about any of the this sh- general strategy outside of like how can we dominate this industry and get rid of the rest of the competition basically um yep. Next one. Sony accidentally reveals that call of duty is worth 800 million to PlayStation alone. And that's the one thing I think some people talking about the story have missed. They're not talking about $800, uh, 800 million period. That's just the loss. I think that Sony believes that they would incur if uh call of duty was taken away from uh, uh, PlayStation consoles going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is a 2021 figure. Um, what did you think about that? That was unsurprising to me. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they said a bill, to be honest with you, just because I know how big uh, it is, especially post war zone. Um, yeah. I, I think once upon a time, that maybe would have sounded a bit high. But especially when I now I know how big Warzone is and the fact that that is agnostic outside of whatever yearly title that they're doing. And it's just kind of existing platform. Now we're talking Fortnite numbers. Now we're talking PUBG numbers. Um, And you add that to a generally popular franchise. Add that to the regular multiplayer modes and all the streaming and esports world. Add that to zombies. Yeah, 800 million sounds about right. Like, what do you think?
1: Yeah, that that's what I figure. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that sounds probably what it is. Yeah. And people were like, money wise. I'm like, no, it's well, it's the valley that is Call of Duty. It's not counting so much the microtransactions that it is infiltrated Call of Duty now, but everything else. Um, so yeah, I was I, I even looked at. It, I was like, man, they probably even think it's probably even more than that. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, again, based off their 2021 trajectories and everything like that, I was not shocked. I was like, no, yeah, that's probably. I mean that's why they're so concerned you know they're not concerned about losing overwatch (laughs) they're concerned about call of duty for this for this reason
0: next one we and and this is one that a lot of people have been reporting about and it's kind of unsurprising because i'm pretty sure all corporations have this document but because of Mm -hmm. microsoft's acquisition they had to like publish it um microsoft's considered buying lots of different game developers so here we go we got Thunderful. Supergiant, Niantic, Playrix, Scopely, uh, Square Enix, which is a big one, Sega, which is the one I think a lot of people are really focusing on, Mm -hmm. Zynga, IO Interactive, and Bungie. Now, uh, the key thing to remember when talking about these acquisitions is these are people that... Xbox have seen a business interest in acquiring. If you look at the graphic, they have different things like, hey, this is what this developer does. This is the hole that they could fill in our first-party team if we were to bring them in. This is not a document that says, hey, we had a meeting with so-and-so, and and they are really interested in joining Xbox Game Studios, so we're going to see if the economics work out. That's what people are reporting it like. Like, at some point, they sat at a table with Square Enix or, or Sega... And they were close to inking a deal, and for whatever reason, it didn't go through. No, not necessarily. This is more so just, it's a strategy thing, again. um, This is where they could see a real added benefit from these different developers, and they're eyeing them. But again, it doesn't say that even Square Enix, Sega, Zynga, IO Interactive, any of these teams are Mm -hmm. even for sale uh, to begin with. So that's worth mentioning. Um, Anything surprise you here?
1: Um, Not not really. Uh, The Square Enix one threw me off a little bit, just because... Microsoft, for so long, was you know, treating the sort of Japanese market and sort of just ignored the Japanese market. You know, the Sega kind of makes sense. Sega went through a couple of bad years, a couple of these other guys. Um, the only one that kind of stuck out to me, though, was the Bungie because Microsoft, it's like, had this super close connection with Bungie for so long. You yeah. Know? But Bungies have also come out and talked about multiple times, and people who've left talked about how under the thumb of Microsoft so much you know though they made great Halo games they were just pushed to another level with stress and all this stuff so I'm surprised they would even think that because I feel like Bungie would be like oh no no there's no way um but again money talks Microsoft has that money to start talking that's the only one that struck me where I'm like I wonder if Bungie would even consider that just because though they worked together for so many years Bungie's never really talked about how fun it was. Uh, you know, the best of the Halos always come out of like some of the hardest times and that's mainly for Bungie. Um, so before Bungie was Bungie, Microsoft could have pulled the plug and who knows what would have would have happened but that's the only one that threw me off you know the you know thunderful uh io kind of makes sense um just because of how everything went with square and io interactive yeah um but that's the only one that just caught me where i'm like i wonder if that's even i'm sure they probably said yet yeah, should we buy bungie um i just don't think yet like you said I, th- I think i think square and sega even after this all this stuff's come out were like hey we're not for sale so <laughs> i guess there's something along the line i forgot what sega specifically said but they're like they don't even wanna comment on this on top of their like we're they basically said they weren't for sale. They're like, Yeah listen, whether that was in talks is in the past. We're moving forward. Uh which I like. I like that they were just kinda of, like cleaning their hands of it. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but um it is interesting.
0: Yeah, I-, I was on the same boat pretty much. The only thing that really surprised me was Bungie and that's because I assumed there was bad blood there um yeah that would be kind of again it would be like if like konami was considering buying like kojima productions <laughs> like i assumed they they kind of ended not not great terms you know what i mean mm-hmm. or at least because bungie has been pretty open about yeah that like it was not pleasant working under them so i assume yeah. especially with the fact that like and and for better or for worse say what you want about them like microsoft does have 343 so like they filled that hole. Now you could say you could say not effectively. You could totally say that, which is is valid. But uh, you know, Bungie left. Now they have three four three working on Halo. Things were not great for them. Bungie now obviously has a really close relationship with Sony. That was I was just a little surprising. But again, this is um, also a document that I don't think is that new either. Um, I think the document can date all the way back to twenty nineteen. Um, which yep. could also explain why maybe Bungie was included there and not, and, and and maybe that conversation did happen because obviously they were willing to work with a larger publisher aka eventually Sony um, so it wouldn't be surprised if they took that meeting um, IO I think could be kind of cool because I think Hitman could work as a game pass you know like day one the fun Xbox exclusive it wouldn't be this major uproar like hey you pulled this away from Sony I think that could work. Niantic was surprised it was interesting because I I would assume they'd probably go to Nintendo before anybody um, if Nintendo was interested. Uh, Niantic is also interesting because they know how to make a really solid kind of AR phone game. However, they haven't really done it again since Pokemon Go. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is this is somebody that like they they hit fire, but are they a one hit wonder? i don't know but that, that's speculative but yeah not an interest uh, not a surprising yeah. thing here but the, the sega thing i think that really excited a lot of people because i think sega selling has been a conversation since what the dreamcast basically and i think this is the closest we've gotten to like a hint maybe there was a conversation um but again i think people are putting a little bit more gas on this that then actually exists um um, and I think if, if, if Sega sells, I, I don't think it'd be to Microsoft. I, I, I still yeah. don't think that. I still I think it would happen with Nintendo first. And I know that sounds crazy to some people. But the, the way that they're working with them on their, their virtual console, for example... And the fact that there's Genesis games on there, and all the collections are on there, and they're obviously no bad blood there now, they're willing to work with each other. I don't know. I feel like they'd be a partner with Nintendo before anybody, but that's speculative. Last point. Xbox's Phil Spencer seemingly decided to make all ZeniMax games exclusives in 2021 meeting. Now for y'all that don't know, now we're talking basically um, the online side of Bethesda type things. This is specifically, I think, ESO um, is is what would be most affected by ZeniMax. Um, That makes a ton of sense to me um, with uh, these kind of like games as a service, live platform, whatever you want to call it, live service games. Um, Exclusivity can, can really be important however i feel like cross play also can be really beneficial for those type of games Uh, you really want as many people as as possible to play that game um but i understand where like in terms of profit sharing you can maximize your income by having it all coming in from one single place um so this was unsurprising i think it's just. Somewhat smart move, but I also think it's a dangerous move because when you t- when you, these games live or die based on player base, and exclusives can evaporate that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's something worth keeping an eye on, but it's unsurprising. If there was one thing from Bethesda that I felt like could become a hard exclusive, it was probably ESO. Um, uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's one of those things where it just kind of made sense, where it's like, well, Zenimax, it's like, well, it's a it's a weird thing where they said that because then has their hands in so much that Bethesda does. Um, so it's like what specifically, that's why I pretty much was like, what are they specifically relying on the online section? The ESO. Um, so it made a lot of sense, um, when they decided that, I'm surprised it was even 2021, uh, that they were willing to state that. Yeah, it's pretty early. It's just, it's just one of those things where it kind of makes sense though.
0: Yeah. So, now that we have all this information we've seen this all play out i think you and i are both kind of over this back and forth between mm-hmm. uh, all of them at this point um hearing all of this what are your general opinions about this acquisition do you want it to go through do you not want it to go through um do you think it's a positive a negative do you think xbox is this even the right thing for xbox to be doing do you think with our non-legal brains do you think the ftc and sony even have a, a good argument here um what are your like kind of summarized thoughts about this whole thing
1: yeah i can't wait till this is over uh either way <laughs> whether i mean I, i've seen just a little bit of some other people talking about the, like more the legal aspect where it's like this is more just delaying it and we've talked about how that might be a plan for sony themselves um but yeah i can't wait till this is over i is, again, it's going to go through. I, in my non-official legal opinion, <laughs> it's going to go through. Will it go with probably some caveats? Yeah, they're probably going to have to sign something a little bit more definitive for maybe... I mean, of Cal- Duty's the big one they keep bringing up. Um, and that seems to be the one they care about the most. Um, but again, who knows what they'll legally be able to... These are companies with some fat lawyers. You know, fat stacked lawyers. Um, so i just don't see a world where it doesn't go through again my thing is there'll probably be a small little asterisk where they have to be a little bit more definitive on what's gonna leave or what can leave when it leaves um and that's just sort of my me from the way outside from home on my couch that's how i see it
0: gotcha yeah and and i'm I'm not super far from you um uh, so i think it's absolutely gonna go through inevitably um i don't know if it's going to come with legal caveats but i think it's going to come with some concessions to sony just to kind of play ball a little but uh to kind of make things a little easier like like to kind of get them off their ass a little bit um Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if you know Microsoft agrees. Like here, we'll give you A, B, and C. and We'll work with you on this, and and then. But I think when it's all said and done, it's probably going to go through. Yeah, I, I don't, and I think Sony thinks that as well. I think really they're just kind of delaying the inevitable because as competition you have an interest in resisting these kind of things Um, because I don't think this is going to help Sony so might as well resist it and see where you get and maybe cost them some money or get what you want in the process maybe it's kind of like a divorce negotiation you know what I mean Mm -hmm. see what you can get out of it Um, and and so it seems a little bit more that than anything Um, I am I think it's a smart decision for Xbox to do but I am not a fan of it And I'm not a fan for it because I'm not a fan of – I don't like mergers. I don't like consolidation in general because I think it's going to – when it's all said and done, and I know a lot of people may disagree with me on this, but I think when it's all said and done, the less people in control of a whole industry is going to be a net negative for the player when it's all said and done. Um, Mm -hmm. Look at the cable industry. Look at the music industry. Look at the food industry. When you have so few players controlling so much, they're going to do anti-competitive, anti-consumer things, and you can't do anything about it because they control everything. And so consolidation, I think, is generally a bad trend. Um, But for if you want to look in the most kind of like two-dimensional, literally here-and-now Xbox fan perspective, yeah, I think this is going to be Good for Xbox fans. I think so. Because it's, it's going to be more Activision games on Game Pass. It's going to be more exclusives that people can, I guess, justify their purchase with. Which I, I never understood that kind of argument. Why players themselves are so pro-exclusive for consoles that they, they have. Like, I don't get it. But, um, yeah, I, I think it, it could have that benefit. But I think there are going to be unintended side effects from this. I think this is going to cause a major ripple effect. Once this goes through... I think to a certain extent there's going to be a reaction from Sony. It's like, oh, okay, it's like that, cool, got it. And I think they're totally going to move on some bigger. I think to some degree Microsoft has upped the ante a little bit. Like Bethesda was one thing or like when Sony buys this team or that team or works with Bungie or whatever, that was one thing. But when you're moving into Activision territory, they're I think what you would consider probably the big three of – you could consider maybe four if you want to put Rockstar in there uh, but I, when I think of big publishers that are not the major three console creators mm-hmm. we're talking Activision, EA and Ubisoft basically and you could argue about Ubisoft slipping because their financials are not great right now um, but you know, let, shoot them some bail it's those three and basically they just bought one of the three I would be very surprised if Sony doesn't immediately move to get grab one of the other two whether it gets it successful or not is an entirely different subs, uh, thing, because EA has some uh, uh, some some stuff that is not insignificant. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, yeah, I think this upped the ante a little bit, and I think this is gonna be one of the first major steps that people look back on when it's all said and done, and the entire game industry is run by two Saudi companies. <laughs> people are gonna look back on this and it's like that was probably something that we probably wouldn't have shouldn't have championed so much is these mm. major corporations gobbling up everybody uh i think when it's because one day i wouldn't be surprised if they gobble up all these small teams and then somebody gobbles them up and now next, that that's what i'm just saying i'm just i'm'm I'm, it's it's like a cautious thing it's not me being like apocalyptic guy but it's more so like just it's worth considering the idea that this might not be a good thing. But again, that's not from like a Sony fanboy perspective. I don't care about the exclusive thing. They can do that if they want. But I think the consolidation could be worrisome for anybody who is not paying attention to larger trends. You know what I mean?
1: No, absolutely. It's just it is something that as many people care don't care, it's something you have to watch deeply just cuz it will affect what goes on in the future for sure, not just gaming wise but company-wise, acquisition-wise, all the stuff that people are fearing. Totally. Alright. Uh, so, uh, on the flip side, for people who aren't at each other's throats, <laughs> 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 we, we had a Nintendo Direct. Um, and there's a few couple things, um, and just so we don't... I'll go through the ones that we thought were more important. Um, starting off with uh, the two bigger ones, actually. Um, so, we knew Mario... Definitely was coming back to Switch. It's been a little while. Um, so, two new Mario brother games announced for Switch. Uh, we have Super Mario RPG Remake, the long hold and locked up Square Nintendo partnership in Mario RPG and The Legend of the Seven Stars, I think. Uh, the shortened just to Mario RPG. Um, coming back to Switch this year, also, they showed a new Super Mario Brothers 2D style game, um, not in the vein of the New Super Mario Bros., which I'm glad they finally left that behind them. You know, we got a new art style, it looks like a new feel to the game, and everything like that. So, so two big Mario games that are vastly different, but they both actually look really great. I'm really excited to get into them. What did you think of the two, uh, these two Mario games?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I was pretty excited about Wonder. Um, I like the 2D Mario games, generally speaking. Um, and so I'm, I'm I was definitely. Excited to jump! In. I I saw I when I saw it I was like okay some people might be a little bit let down by this for two two reasons I know like two D Mario games are not everybody's jam I like them yeah. quite a bit I I think they're kind mm-hmm. of fun to go in and out of and then you kind of move on with your life um it this is probably one of the more muted Mario games we've seen in a bit you know what I mean like it, there's no major like crazy aesthetic shift there it is a very pretty game and i think there is a little bit of art direction shift that i don't know if everybody noticed um but uh yeah it's it's pretty straightforward of a 2d mario game but uh i'm totally sold on it i mean it doesn't take much you know i like i like 2d mario so long as you're not literally just uh doing a port of an existing game that i've already played a million times before I'm, i'm down to give it a shot um rpg remake that's the thing. Like, I'm, I think this is a super smart move. It looks pretty good. I, these are, like, the RPGs from Nintendo that I'm probably the least interested in. And I, that might be heresy. But, like, Mario and Luigi, like, the Superstar Saga Partners in Time stuff... I kind of mm-hmm. like more than RPG, uh, the, just the classic RPG game. Like I played it. Um, I don't have a ton of nostalgia for it because I didn't experience it until much later. I didn't play it until I was like in yeah. middle school or something like that. I didn't grow up with this game, so like I'm I'm not in love with the original one, and so I'm probably gonna skip that one. But it does look really good, and I think it's it's gonna be a, a pretty big game for those that are really into it because I know that's that it has it's a bit of a cult classic from what I understand in the, the Nintendo side of things.
1: Yeah, and then uh, next day showed up a uh, Detective Pikachu is returning uh, in a new game. They didn't call it Detective Pikachu 2. I don't have much to say about this. I'm not a fan of this style of game just because it's very throwback to sort of point-and-click adventure detective stuff. I tried the demo on 3DS Forever ago. I guess I can see the charm just because there's a Pikachu speaking English. Um, And I thought... They already told us this was coming back, but I think this is the full reveal we got. Um, yeah. For sure. Any feelings towards that?
0: Um, I don't. I w- I'd be lying if I said I don't even know what this game is. Like I've never played yeah. Detective Pikachu. I don't. Is it like a mystery game like Professor Layton? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm cool. I'm cool on that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, a quick one. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has shown the new, uh, set a new couple of new courses that are coming alongside the finally now we have uh, some of the dlc characters that are coming out uh pd piranha wiggler and kamek joining the crew um i still haven't played the last batch just because they're so random when they drop this but again i'm never gonna be too mad at my Mar- I, I thought we were closer to being done with the deluxe um season pass thing but i guess not uh, i think any. this is the last set too it might yeah i think this might be the last set but um so yeah again i redeemed the thing when i had the nintendo online so of course i'll play these when i get a chance to it but i'm i'm also every time i launch mario kart 8 though i love it i'm just like i'm ready for something <laughs> new <laughs> mario kart ish how about you
0: i'm all over this you you already yeah. know that no i mean I, I play every set as they come out uh and then i go back to get the my all my trophies uh my gold mm-hmm. trophy on it so um yeah no it looks good and i'm, I'm just surprised about the characters i didn't expect that they kind of held that into like the last two sets or something like that so yeah, uh really weird. we all knew they were adding like new courses but yeah i did totally did not expect them to be adding like a decent amount of new characters nobody like mind-blowing here um at this point they're really going into the vaults like uh, of like you know characters you could even choose anymore um but uh yeah no overall i'm happy with it uh and i'm, I'm gonna play the hell out of this for sure uh
1: another another sort of quick one uh, luigi's mansion 2 dark moon which really is to release for 3ds uh getting a switch port uh i'm excited for this just because these are one of those games i've played luigi's mansion one that's it i've never played dark moon and i never played three um i have to assume they're going to be working on porting luigi's mansion one over as well because that did get remade on the 3ds uh so if they could port the second one i'm assuming you could port the remake of the first one. one oh um, totally you could have have all three on there so um i'm i'll be excited if i can ever just play one two and three right back to back on switch um, how are you feeling on the remake? Did you play the original launch? Uh,
0: so I played the first one and I played the third one. This is the only one that I've never played. So I don't really know much about it. And I'm willing to try this remaster depending on... I don't know much about Dark Moon. So if it really is just another Luigi's Mansion game, I'll probably pass on it. Because again, if I yeah. want nostalgia, I'll play Luigi's Mansion 1. And if I want like new Luigi's Mansion, I'll play 3. So I don't really have a need for this one, depending if there's like, again, if there's very, if it happens to have a really good story and it does its own thing and it's very different from the other ones, I'll totally jump into it. But from what I understand, it was just a 3ds luigi's mansion game so if they're re- remaking that i'm kind of cool on that uh but um, i'm happy for the luigi's mansion fan and i totally think they need to get all these games on the same console there's no reason why they shouldn't be so um yeah one has been remade so i think it, it should be a relatively easy kind of thing to just get it onto switch and, and cleaned up and uh i think it should get the pikmin treatment basically what they're doing yeah, with them
1: yeah that, that's how i kind of feel Uh, a free-to-play adventure sim Palea? Palea, Palea, yeah.
0: Palea. Um, uh,
1: Palea? Palea? palea. Uh, I don't have much to say. Uh, It it looks like a sort of adventure sim, you know, like a relaxing MMO-type deal. Um, So, I don't have much to say. Is this uh, any interest for you?
0: Um, Free-to-play always concerns me, but, like, kind of running around in a multiplayer game that I don't have to put money into, that can kind of just, like, screw around, especially with the cozy thing i could yeah. i could see killing a little time in this but it, it depends if it's good or not <laughs> if it, if it's bad then of which I, I i'm skewing towards it's probably gonna be not great but um but yeah no I'm, i have my eye on it I, I i could see it being kind of a goofy fun game to run around a world with some friends or something like that and hop on a little chat or something
1: yeah that's how it kind of feels like if i see it get some traction or if i have a free weekend once exactly <laughs> Maybe I'll uh, give it more of a look. The um, so last one we're gonna talk about is Penny's Big Breakaway, uh, which I don't know, man. It it looks it just looks so Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> you know, Vain in in a, a 3D platformer that we've seen on Nintendo before. Uh, I I'm not sold on the art style of it. I like what I see of it, though. I like sort of the mechanics. It does have sort of a throwback to. So you can say, like classic Nintendo games in, in a sense, like you could have put any other character there. Um, but it looks exciting again, a uh, debit hitting price and everything like that, and when and where. But it does look kind of interesting. I, I don't remember who's I think it's Evening Star is making it. it. I don't know, there's something that just kind of struck me. I'm like, yeah, that kind of looks kind of cool to just sort of checklist off one day, but uh, I'm not you know, I'm not wish listing pre ordering it anytime soon. Uh, what did you think?
0: Uh, yeah this is one of those games that i think i'm i'm sold on it not because of what i saw but because of who's making it because sonic mania was was what it was and i'm yeah. so excited to see this team actually kind of grow and, and do their own thing um, I'm that's why i have my eye on it. it's not that i saw something super mind-blowing even though i can get into um a classic 3d platformer throwback there's this game i forget the name of it where you kind of throw your hat i forget the name of it you, you you play as this girl with a hat and it's like a 3d platformer yeah i think i've shown it to you before um and so i can get into kind of a retro same thing with like the the spyro remaster like if it's done right i can get into kind of something that harkens back to the kind of like n64 ps1 kind of era with like a nice coat of paint i can get into that um but yeah it depends on how it's designed but again if it if it has half the level of care that they put into sonic mania i think this could be a really solid game
1: yeah, yeah. a hat in time I think.
0: So. a hat in time yeah that game yeah, was yeah. pretty good so that uh, game
1: was good I, I never got to beat it up but uh that's for i did forget this was the mania team um, yeah that's the big which thing because it does have a little of that sort of like 3d era vibe but in like yeah, a way it's, different form
0: it's got like a um, genesis art style to it like the genesis yeah, like, box art kind of style to it
1: yeah definitely something you would have seen like on dreamcast genesis for, oh, for totally. sure um but it is that's right that's why i did have it live like man i remember though i was excited for this for some reason because they, i think they even mentioned it in the direct yeah for sure yeah um and that was the, the pretty much the big highlights. There was a couple other things they discussed, but it's things we've already talked about here on the show. Um, all in all, you know, it was good to get a couple of these things out. I, again, um, it was a good direct. You know, it was as good as what we saw from PlayStation a few weeks or Xbox a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know, it all depends what you're looking for. You know, you, you got me with a little bit more Mario Kart. You got me with a new Super Mario Brothers, I um, original style um so for me it was kind of what i i went in expecting zero so expect just getting a few stars really stuck out to me how did you uh feel about the direct
0: yeah i'm pretty much in the same boat i think this was mm. a direct that was as good as it needed to be it had a little bit of everything for like the nintendo ecosystem it technically had a new contribu two new contributions from its major ip so uh you get two new mario games you get some more mario uh yeah. Cart stuff. You got a lot of indie games getting some love. Luigi's Mansion Remaster. Like there are some things that they they talked about and showed off for the first time. That mm-hmm. kind of illuminates uh, the specifically one. Of my only expectation coming out of the Nintendo Direct, or not even expectation, but questions is the release schedule. Things like I knew there's Pikmin 4, but things looked pretty barren going forward because Nintendo's had this strategy of holding things really close to its chest before, you know, it comes out, which I I've really come to quite love because it's like the opposite of the Bethesda strategy. Um exactly. so I kind of like that like things are empty, but you can unlike some other developer, like like for example, like Microsoft's slot is empty, but we know it's empty because probably nothing's gonna come out. Where Nintendo, we know things are gonna come out, we just don't know what it is yet. Um, and so that's why I I like these, and yeah, Nintendo Direct was super solid. Yeah, nothing for me that was like mind blowing, but at this point, shy of like new hardware. I don't know if there's too much that you could reasonably expect from Nintendo to really blow your mind. Like, they they are kind of on the tail end of the life cycle of a device. So, at this point, it's kind of just feeding the existing base, dropping some new stuff that have kind of been in the works. And I would imagine any of the major mind-blowing projects are probably coming out on the next console. Or they're just in a a stage of incubation that are not worth showing, a.k.a. like a a Metroid Prime 4. Um, Exactly stuff like that i think you know like who knows where that is in the cycle but most of the major things so obviously we're not going to see zelda again until well into the next generation um mm-hmm. the next mainline zelda or not the zelda uh, the next 3d mario game probably is going to yeah. probably be closer to like a launch title for the whatever the switch successor is going to be so for right now this is as good as i think it needs to be giving mm-hmm. the existing player base which is freaking huge at this point um well over 100 million people just something to play um and then i'm sure coming this fall they'll have uh more pokemon news uh and so the the um and and god could only hope it's better than scarlet and violet um yeah uh things are starting to fill up a little bit and generally speaking i'm not feeling too bad about nintendo's place right now like they had they have a little bit of everything for everybody in their ecosystem they're not doing anything to pull people in anymore for sure mm. which i don't think i think they've hit critical mass like everybody i think who is interested in switch has probably got one at this point uh so i don't think they really need to do a whole bunch of leg work into convincing people to like come in at this point so that's why the smaller things like the luigi's mansion remaster detective pikachu rpg remake yeah. those the, the the little Peach game that's coming. Um, mm-hmm. Those type of things, I think, are the perfect type of projects. Because they're not these major overhauls that require all hands on deck at Nintendo. But at the same time, can keep a steady stream of titles coming out. Where at no point do you look at it and, and could in good faith say, like, Switch got no games. Like, the, you couldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, same here. But alright, episode 100... Thank you guys for sticking with us this long. It's, it's crazy. We're finally in the triple digits. took us okay. <laughs> took us a minute to get here. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what the hundreds bring us. And things are really starting to fire up uh, in terms of the stories. And uh, we'll have more stories to talk to you guys. And uh, inevitably, unfortunately, more Microsoft FTC news, I'm sure, <laughs> will be coming. Because I do not think this is done. <laughs> but, uh but hopefully they give us a little bit of rest and in, in, in recovery time before we have to talk about that again. Uh, but yeah, this is the New Vintage Podcast. I'm Jubrell and I'm here with
1: Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed.
0: And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.